Welcome back, listeners, to a new episode of The New Standard. And as Neil scratches, you are checking out The New Standard on January 4th, 2023. Happy New Year to you, brother. Happy New Year to you as well. I wasn't scratching. I was moving the blanket that I learned is causing the weird effect in the background that we were talking about five seconds before we went on so we're good now kind of <laughs> it's all right it's gonna make me look better so <laughs> we're just gonna plow through it yes. plowing through it lance yes we are as always listeners if you want to join the experience you can check us out live on youtube do a search for the new standard and lance williams or neil coolong and if you want to check us out via podcast, make sure you just go to your local podcast feeder and do a search for the new standard Steelers, new standards, Neil Kulong, Lance Williams, some iteration of that. Big up to everybody that's joining us on the chat. Big George Mail, Ennis Avenue Records, Double H. Thank you guys for hopping on with us very early for me at 6.15 a.m. I'm sure a little bit early for you guys as well. Before we jump in the program, of course, want to wish a speedy recovery to DeMar Hamlin, McKee's Rocks guy, guy out of Pittsburgh, guy known very well by Tomlin. So, of course, speedy recovery to DeMar Hamlin, we wish uh, from the New Standard podcast. What about you, Neil? Um, you know, I think it. Uh, obviously I want to echo the sentiment of uh, Kamar Hamlin, just a, a terrible fluke situation um we really don't ever want to see a situation like that um any hope for the best a, a, a bright young kid i think mike tomlin spoke very well on this topic yesterday i believe uh he was the only coach or team official to speak in front of uh media yesterday and i i suspect some of it was uh the anticipated comments that he would make on Demar Hamilton, <laughs> Hamlin, a, a kid that um, Tomlin said that he's known uh, for several years, uh, Pitt product, and uh, we wish nothing but the best for him, and um, we hope uh, he can come back to uh, to play again. Great player, um, great career ahead of him. Yeah, definitely, uh, definitely, we all want to see him between the white lines again. Let Let's jump into some Neil Nuggets. From the game, and this is a segment, of course, where we always jump into. Uh, are there a couple of things that? And, and by the way, before we jump into that, big up to Doug, big up to Dougie F, Dougie Fresh, our guy that hopped onto the program with Neil Dougie Fresh. I love when you guys get into the weeds because you guys are two old cranky football guys that go back and forth, and I love it. Uh, so big up to Dougie Fresh. That's what his name will be on our particular program. But any nuggets you want to jump into that you may have missed or you didn't hit that you want to touch on from Sunday's performance against the Baltimore Ravens? Yeah, I think the big thing to take away simply is the fact that the Steelers in winning that game in yet another complete improbable uh, fashion to move to 8-8 eight and eight, to boost their playoff odds from 25% and to be playing for something in the final week of the season 
to me, it's truly remarkable. And to anybody that that's listened to me uh, on this, this uh, program or follows me in social media, I would have said it was less than 2% um, a while ago. Beginning of the season, I, I didn't like their chances of going to the postseason, to put it mildly. The fact that they've gotten as far as they had, I, I think is just, it, it's utterly remarkable to me. Um, I am not going to say this is a great team. I am not going to say they're getting hot at the right time and they're going to be a tough team to beat or whatever cliche you want to put into it. The fact that they are where they are right now and the fact that this parallels in many ways the 2013 version of this team is what's really important to remember now and, and moving into the offseason, whenever that might be. 2013, they started 2-6. and six. They reached 2-6 and six after getting utterly dismantled by the Patriots in Foxborough. I think that game was something like 57-31, to 31, and the Steelers put on 20 points at the end of the game. They got absolutely destroyed. Hope was completely gone, not just for that season, but for, for the next two or three, probably. All the fire Tomlin talk was out. For them to have rebounded then, for me, was one of the most uh, uh, remarkable things I had seen from a team in covering one uh, in my career. And it, it's still true. They put everything together after that, finished 6-2, and two, and came and t- the side of Antonio Brown's cleat sideline away from dramatically beating the Dolphins, which would have gotten them into the playoffs. Going into Week 17 – their game against the Cleveland Browns, who they piss-pounded easily, yet another game in which the Browns head coach was fired um, leading into the game, probably. Uh, he was done five minutes after the end of that game, and I'm pretty sure the team knew it because that was as listless an NFL performance I've ever seen. The Browns were horrible that game. For them to have, have won the first part of the tiebreaker that they needed, and then... Uh, there were three others. I'm forgetting one of them. Somebody can help me out if they want to look into this. But uh, the Jets needed to beat the Dolphins. Then the Chiefs, who had already locked up uh, their playoff spot, was going to rest everybody, needed to beat the Chargers. It, that was the afternoon game. So the, the, uh, the 4.30 Eastern kick of that Sunday. The Chiefs sat everybody. weren't playing anybody. I believe Chad Henney was starting a quarterback. That's how old Chad Henney is now. He's still there um, is what that means, I think, right? Henney or Henney's equivalent was starting for the Chiefs a quarterback that game, not Alex Smith. And the Chargers, to win, would put them at 8-8, eight and eight, and they had the tiebreaker over the Steelers. They would have advanced to the playoffs. Had the Chiefs won, the Steelers would have gone to the playoffs. That game was tight and competitive the entire way. And some of you might recall. I don't. I Now I'm forgetting the name of the kicker somehow. I've been ripping this guy for years. Whenever I see his name, I, I, uh, I remember this. He missed at the end of regulation what would have been a game-winning 49-yard field goal. And that would have sent the Steelers to the playoffs. And in that moment, I remember this well. When I was working for Behind the Steel Curtain, you lived and died with these moments. You, you were very much into them with the community of, of uh, readers over there. I have described that day as one of the most enjoyable 
fun football experiences that I've ever had. And I think in, in many ways I've got the new AirPods on, they're not working very well. Thank you, Lance. In many ways, it was a situation that simply shouldn't have happened. For it to come down to that, it was so exciting, uh, especially for that team. They had basically no chance of being in the position that they were in, let alone advancing uh, to the playoffs. They came that one kick away. San Diego, there was the San Diego Chargers back then. Uh, they had ended up winning in overtime. I think both teams had a possession. Uh, it was back and forth the entire way. It was a great game. Uh, the Steelers fell short. I didn't feel upset that they weren't going to the playoffs. It was just such a dramatic and fun day. Everything that the Steelers needed to happen happened except for the, the last one. And it came down to that. Ryan Suckup. Thank you, Mel. I don't know how I couldn't remember that. Ryan effing Suckup. Uh, still kicks, by the way. I can't tell you where I sit right now, whether the Steelers will find themselves in a similar position. I just know that the Jets beating Skylar Thompson and the Dolphins, who are reeling right now, won't play with, with their starting quarterback. The Jets winning that game is not out of the question by any stretch. Absolutely. Hamlin's situation, his injury, as unfortunate as it was, most likely mean that game will not be made up so the bills have to win this game against the patriots to remain competitive for the top seed in the afc they're going to play and the bills in case you you know noticed this year they're a pretty good team bills beating the patriots not a stretch by any sense of the imagination and the steelers who play first of these teams are three-point favorites against the reeling cleveland browns in the friendly confines of Accra Hines Stadium Field. I think this can happen. It's it listed as a 25% chance, 20% chance according to 538. Thank you, Robert. I don't think the odds of this are, are unreasonable. Just if, if you break them down by piece, I think the odds would favor the Jets over the Dolphins. I think the odds would favor the Bills over the Patriots. And I think the odds would favor the Steelers over the Browns. The excitement that that generates to me is worth it. I have absolutely no doubt whoever the Steelers would play in the first round, which would be Kansas City. We had a lot of fun with Kansas City last year. Cincinnati, who's boat raced the Steelers three of the last four times they've played. Or the Bills, who utterly crushed them earlier this year. I don't think the Steelers would win a playoff game, to put it mildly. But for them to rebound the way that they have, I think it, it's, it's remarkable. It makes the game more fun, and it's momentum to build for next year. How did the Steelers do in 2014? Does anybody remember that? Do you remember the first half of that, that week one game against Cleveland? They piss-pounded that team as, as badly as I've seen one pro team beat another, including the last couple of years, the Steelers against some pretty good teams. The Steelers came out on fire at the beginning of that game. And my opinion was at the time, it didn't quite end this way, but the Steelers used the momentum that they had from the end of 2013 when all hope was lost, when it was just them on their own bandwagon playing, they built into something. Lance, to me, that means something. That's how you build championship teams. You don't do it by acquiring every free agent on the market. You don't do it by firing your entire coaching staff and an emotional reaction to a tough season. 
You do it by building through the hard stuff. And that's what the Steelers have done. I'm not saying they're going to the Super Bowl next year. Let's see what they do this offseason. I think they have a lot of opportunity uh, to improve their team quite a bit. But for them to battle as hard as they have, to be in the position that they're in, that is successful. And this is also coming from somebody who said, at best, this was a 7-10 and 10 team. For them to possibly rebound to 9-8 and eight and to possibly qualify for the playoffs, no way I would have told you this was going to happen by week 7. There's no way I would have, I would have given you anything but terrible odds that that would happen. Good for them. Um, I'm looking forward to it. I hope it happens. Uh, it's not going to be the end of the world if it doesn't. It speaks to a team that rebounded well in tough circumstances. And to me, that's how you build a, a contender. And that's the direction they're headed in. You know, it's interesting when you say that because I have mixed emotions about it. You, you got to get to the postseason to compete for a Super Bowl, obviously. I mean, you know, I had to bring back, obviously, for Tomlin late in the year. <laughs> and obviously, that's what the goal is, is to win championships. But obviously... Rooting for the seventh seed is like giving props to a dad that takes care of his kids. You know, that's pretty much the expectation. And I understand that it's difficult to win football games in the National Football League. You, you see it every week. Teams do a much better job of losing games than winning games. It's been happening the, my entire life. So I don't minimize the difficulty in winning games, but man, I feel like I'm my expectations are changing and I'm happier. I'm happy with them just middling. And I know it's going to take some time for them to become what we want them to be. And that's a legitimate team to compete for a championship, but it really feels like they're middling and they're treading water. I don't know if that's fair to say. I think it is great if they make the postseason. I'm just trying to, as I heard you going through it, I'm just trying to reconcile in my mind, am I satisfied with this? Is this a success for me? I mean, I know it's successful when you go to the playoffs, but but, but for, for kicks and shits and giggles, I guess I, I think hopefully I said the cliche right, um, Man, we're the black and gold. We're the Steelers. The, 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 you know, I want the expectation and the expectation to remain high. Uh, and I don't want to get overly excited by being perpetual seven seeds. Um, you know, I mean, I get it. I Fair. understand, Fair. you know, but I'm, I'm like, yeah, how excited am I to see them become a seven seed and get their ass whooped by, the Bills, Bengals, <laughs> or Kansas City. Because, man, I was thinking about it. I was just thinking, like, okay. It's a fourth like preseason game. Year. Let's be I honest. Mean, you know, I'm like, <laughs> how, like, how excited, you know, am I by that? But I understand this comes in pieces. But let's switch reels. I want to jump into a couple of stats and a, and a question in general. And when I was listening to the program on Sunday, Dougie F. Dougie Fresh said, this is the most risk-averse offense in the National Football League. Let me give you some numbers that, that, that prove that. And when I say risk-averse, 
it means exactly what it means. They're, they don't take chances. There's no big plays in this offense. 30th in, in yards per attempt uh, at 6.4. 25th in pass plays over 29, excuse me, over 20 yards. Fewest pass plays of 15 yards or more. Kansas City is number one with 20-yard pass plays with 71. I mean, Steelers have 39. That's a huge difference. The Steelers are also 31st in pass plays more than 40 yards. Essentially, this is a risk-averse offense that is trying to, and I'm not going to knock them for trying for figuring out the best way that they need to do to win football games, but man, risk-averse really stood out. And it's not for me let Kenny cook, but I'm like, man, at least let, at least let him stir the pot. I mean, can, can we not put the rook in a position where he's got to be Kenny prime time? Can I kick it? Can I pick it? Yes, you can. Big up the Steeler wide three six zero nation. I mean, why do we have to put the kid in those positions? Let Kenny eat just a little bit. In these games, when you're looking at this offense, is this intentional? Is this a scheme thing? Why there's no big plays? Is this Tomlin being overly conservative? I, I thought Dougie made a good point when he said that. Uh, what, what's your thought, man? Why no big plays in this offense? Or, or more so just the attempt to get them in this offense? The attempt part is really the question. Um uh, it, 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 what Doug was alluding to, and I don't get a terrible host on the show. If we didn't get into this as much as we should have. Uh, what Doug was alluding to was something he and I have talked about a, a bunch over the months, as far as Kenny Pickett is concerned. Um, Kenny is a good deep ball thrower. I love that part of his game at Pitt. That was the part that stood out to me about him the most, as far as uh, tangible skills. Um, he, he threw a nice deep ball, a very catchable deep ball. He was accurate down the field. I don't know if we have seen that um, to, to this point. Um, I would say this, 100%, they are the most risk-adverse offense in the NFL. They have played that way for pretty much three years now, and that was with uh, the least risk-adverse quarterback in the history of the game for a while. Um, they're doing, in my opinion, what they're doing is based more in what they feel is perhaps some struggle with the run game. So they are checking short and they're, they're throwing, uh, completable passes in an effort to help sustain a drive, to hold on to the ball, to let options open up, to run more plays. That's something that didn't work for the first half of the season, as, as we saw and as we know. <clears throat> Are you texting me again? No, that's my wife. Sorry. Um, I, I just set all this up. I apologize. Um, they are doing it to protect themselves. They are doing it to protect their young quarterback, and they were doing it to protect a bad quarterback. Year, the plan was do not it, like, they they don't get enough from Mitch Trubisky with a shaky new offensive line to suggest they can air it out 
take seven step drops and, and chuck it deep. They, they really, if you think of it, it really isn't all that smart to do that. This team couldn't turn the ball over in, in kind. They really kind of didn't for the most part. Um, couple bad games from Trubisky, a uh, couple bad games from Pickett as far as that goes. But they had zero turnovers in multiple games. That's a good thing. Your lack of explosion, though, uh, is going to be a significant problem. What I would point to more than anything, though, is the lack of depth after catch. We've talked about this a bunch as far as Deontay Johnson goes. Deontay Johnson had a 10-yard a, a after-the-catch play against Baltimore. Haven't seen many of those this season. It is still, I think Doug and I spoke about this to, to a large degree, it is still utterly perplexing to me that Deontay Johnson has 130 targets and no touchdowns. I, it, that hasn't happened. I don't, I don't think that's ever happened in the NFL. Um, it's weird, but the lack of explosive plays that you're talking about, some of it is the lack of desire to go down the field. Some of it is they're not breaking plays either. And that is due to the fact that this is what they've been doing for the last three years. My opinion, where I sit right now, um, I have to tip my cap Canada and the offensive coaching staff for the turnaround that they've had from the first part of the season. This is not a good offense by any stretch. I'm not saying that it is. Um, I am sticking to the idea, though, that they need to move on. Um, they need to find somebody else. They have to find a way to scheme up uh, better options to make plays. They're not making plays. Um, I don't think that that's on Deontay. I don't think that that's an issue of the absence of Chase Claypool, who really was, at best, mild snack or famine most games. It really comes down to their ability and their confidence to create protection well enough to give your quarterback who has shown that he can throw an accurate deep pass uh, at, at a more prolific rate than what they're doing. So it's, it's absolutely a problem. And we've known that, but the history of the show, Lance, it's always been a problem. We've never talked about the explosive offensive capabilities of the Steelers and how they play the game. It, my point is that we can't pile on any one thing. There's a lot of things that go into this. The root though, is the fact that this is by design. It's not that they don't want big plays. It's that they don't want the risk that comes with it. They can't afford the takeaways. They don't want to take the sacks behind a line that if, if you're asking them to block for four seconds, I don't know how good they are. Uh, the metrics are going to show you that they do well because they get rid of the ball pretty quickly. Pickett has changed that. So with that, I think that you need to change how you're going to draw things up. And I, I would think uh, they would do well to find somebody else to, to manage the offense next season. Um, and I don't want to – just really quickly, sorry, I, I don't want to say that Matt Canada is a complete and total failure. I think Matt Canada did what he was asked to do. Um, though well, I, I, with I that, I think it's time to to move on to something else because they're going to have to try something different. Let's let's speak to Richard's point. I've had it up for a little bit, and he said, "I think they are conservative because they have to win the turnover battle to win games." What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, Tom? that's that's what I'm saying. I, they they couldn't afford it, so. This is not Matt Canada saying the best way to play football is to do what we're doing. They're protecting themselves. And this goes back again to what I think is another root problem as far as the, the as far as Steelers fans are concerned. Their opinions of how good this offense is talent wise is is way off of reality. 
It's not a talented group. They are not laden with superstars. And just having George Pickens, who, by the way, is still a rookie, he's still learning how to, to play the game, he hasn't played much. George Pickens is a phenomenal talent. He can make acrobatic catches up and down. He doesn't run many routes. There's not a whole lot of stuff that he does. Logically, he's probably not getting open all that often either. He's not skilled in that part of the game yet. He's a rookie second-round pick who barely played last season, and he's young. Give him some time. He will turn into a guy that you can get 100 targets to. But he's not Deontay Johnson. He doesn't have that skill yet. Um, he will get there. Force-feeding him the ball is not a good idea for an offense that, by and large, has not run very well, by and large, cannot protect seven-step drops very well. It, it's, it, you're doing a lot. What, they're do, what they have to do, and this is unfortunately kind of labeled the, the Matt Canada special, sometimes they have to go 15 plays to get three points, like they did against Baltimore. Um, maybe not 15, but 11 to 15. The, the, the plays that they uh, possessed the ball, and they ran well against a very good run defense. Very was well. Without Calais Campbell, but typically a very good run defense. They had to go the long way. That's what they're built to do because they, they don't – if they were building this team, they could not have been confident in a, a, a true vertical offense. They can't do things the way the Chiefs do it. They don't have the talent for that. Plain, plain and simple, they just do not have the talent to play football like that. So they want to run. They're hoping to set their receivers up in positions that they can make plays after the catch. But in my opinion anyway – uh, even before Canada, Fickner ran things very similarly. That's how I know that it's not necessarily just the offensive coordinator. It's the mandate from above them to play the game this way. They're trying to get the ball to their receivers in space who can make plays after the catch. They ate with that for a long time. Haley was doing that kind of thing. They went vertical because Ben and they had Antonio Brown who could score from anywhere on the field. They're not getting that kind of production. So Deontay... We've talked about this a bunch. Um, he's running short routes. He's great at getting open. They are approaching him differently than what they have in the past because they know the Steelers are predicating their entire offense on running after the catch. That's why you saw Juju's numbers collapse. That's why you've, you've seen Deontay go this long without making any splash plays at all. They try. It doesn't necessarily work. Um, they're, they're not picking stuff up in chunks because defenses know what they're doing. They attack downhill on them. It's almost like they're conceding the catch at a certain distance to ensure Deontay can't slip loose. He has great feet. He's really good in space. Short spaces, he's a great receiver. We saw that against Baltimore. Made a nice move to the outside. That's what picked him up yards. Teams are collapsing on him and, and surrounding him. They're not letting him break free. That's where the problem is. So you can't play that way anymore because it isn't working. They're going to have to find ways to get deep posts going, to get flies going, to run the seam a bit more aggressively. When they do that, I think we're going to see a different offense. Everyone's going to credit the offensive coordinator. The reality is it's more the mandate that's coming from above with probably new offensive leadership that's going to make these guys rise to a, a higher level. You get another camp with Pickens. You get another camp with Pickett. Uh, the younger guys, you're going to add probably some other guys as well. They they have a good chance of improving. I, I like their odds for next season to become a little bit more uh, of, of a bigger play offense than what they are now. But this was the plan. They, they needed to be able to run the ball to protect 
bad quarterbacks and an offensive line that you just weren't sure of heading into the year. And frankly, the offensive line during the preseason was terrible. So I, I don't know what you wanted to do. Do you want to drop Mitch Trubisky seven and have him throw deep to, to five foot ten Deontay Johnson all day? That's not going to be successful. You have to get some dudes. You've got to get a protection scheme that's going to be consistent and work. If they keep the guys that they have, minus a new, they probably need a new left tackle. If you keep four of those five guys, even including Dotson, who I, I'm not sure on him either, but you can get a better group that can protect uh, a little bit longer and give your uh, improvisational quarterback an opportunity to make plays down the field. You know, what G-Stacks said, G-Stacks 434, thanks for hopping on. I think it's a good point. Uh, with their time of possession being so high, if they were slightly yep. better in the red zone, you would see yep. more scoring. But it's interesting as I as I Wait, listen what, to what your... happens inside the red zone though. You tighten up, you lose yes. the boundary, and yes. you're not able to run the ball. I got into an argument. I'm not going to name names. I got into an argument with somebody that was so impressed with how well the Steelers were running the ball when they scored nine points. Nine. These cumulative stats do not tell the whole story of the game. You did not do well offensively if you ran for 400 yards and scored nine points. No, it's that simple. No, there is. You a need scoreboard. to score points. It's because <laughs> they're conceding those yards to take away whatever bigger play that they might have. Eventually, they'll win uh, on the ground and force field goals. That's how you win games when you're the Steelers or the Ravens playing one another. And that's really what happened, except that the Steelers broke through and got the touchdown that, that Baltimore couldn't get in the second half. The, the bottom line is that when you you can run successfully all you want, but if you run successfully, you need to be better in the red zone. Yeah, you have to be absolutely premium. The in Chiefs, the red zone. yes, the Chiefs need to be good in the red zone. Everybody needs to be good in the red zone, but the Chiefs can make up for that because their red zone's like at the forty. The yeah, Steelers' the red, red zone's, zone's like the inside the five, and they're not yeah, even Steelers good at that. So. And that's a and that's a great point because the red zone it is fluid four different teams like the Steelers red zone absolutely is the five it's not just this 20 yard area for the for the Chiefs it probably is the 50 you know you know for the Chiefs they're so explosive you better defend but, you better defend them that way I know that but here's the funny thing in hearing your comments basically the offensive coordinator for the Pittsburgh Steelers is Maple Mike aka Mike Canada Mike is the offensive coordinator, and the direction of the offense is coming <laughs> from Maple Mike, Mike Canada. And so while I think that they're going to move on and big up to Derby 501, uh, 501st, um, and I think that's a point, and we'll jump into that as we talk about more draft stuff, because um, you kept saying offensive line. I think for Maple Mike – and Mike Canada, a.k.a. Mike Canada, to feel more confident in trying to go downfield, the left tackle might be necessary because Maple Mike needs to absolutely know that the protection is rock solid because Maple Mike, Mike Canada, is conservative by nature, I think. But, let, but, but, let, but let's switch reels. A I don't lot... want to kill your momentum. You know his name is Matt Canada, right? Can we flip it's it to, to Maple Matt? <laughs> it, it's fine i like maple mike I like, we need to I like, we need to find a mic though because it needs to be maple mike <laughs> I, I like maple mike because i'm mixing in canada mike and mike right? you know i'm mixing in mike canada and mike tablet so i'm taking maple for canada and mike so it's maple mike i'm going with maple mike and mike canada i like those two 
we should have a poll which one is better maple mike or mike canada i think they're both great i think you just put an aka and you, you link them together but but let, let me jump into something before we jump into the game actually i was looking at ba- baldies the baldinger is, am, I, am i saying his name right baldies I think it's baldinger Baldinger, Baldinger, Baldy's breakdowns, Baldy's breakdowns, Baldy, and let me and let me give you a number too. Five of fifty-two, ten percent of the defensive snaps were played by Devin Bush, and I think that the Bush is on the wall instead of the writing is on the wall. The Bush (laughs) is on the wall, but uh, you know, in a game of this magnitude, when your first round draft pick plays five of fifty-two plays. It is subbed out essentially for Mark Robinson. What's up, Felicia? Happy New Year, Felicia number three. Um, and, and Baldy went on and raved about how well and how physical and how decisive uh, Mark Robinson was in the game. 64,000 foot level. Is, is Mark Robinson a possible answer at the inside linebacker for the Steelers in 2023, 2024? Yes. Yes. Um, let me expound on that a little bit. Um, I think Baldy fairly raised a, a very young player in a very small sample. Uh, the plays he highlighted, yeah, I, I noticed those as well. And I, I enjoyed watching him play. Um, he had a lot of bad reps. <laughs> it was not a, a great game for him. Um, considering Let's keep in mind, we're going to talk a lot about Mark Robinson this offseason. This Wait, is the player who transferred let me, let, me, let me break in real quick, Neil. Before you finish your point, it's interesting that you said that because, ironically enough, looking at PFF grades, again, I always give the disclaimer about PFF. He was graded very low in the game, about a 52 somewhere. Had a lot of bad reps. <laughs> so, so, to your point. But that's that, – that's, fair that's reasonable and i i'm gonna come back to that first off let's just go over mark robinson okay this is a guy he played for a school i've literally never heard of transferred to a big school he was a running back then they moved into linebacker he's barely played linebacker at a competitive level barely played it um for him to have come as far as he did and this is what i'm tying it back to mike tomlin Terrell Austin, Brian Flores, they got together, the the brain trust of their defense, they got together and said, we're going into a must-win game on the road against one of the best running teams in the NFL. These dudes are physical, they're nasty, and they ran the shit out of us the last time we played. We're going to sit Devin Bush. We're going to start seventh-round rookie who's barely played linebacker and barely played all season. What does that tell you about his future? To me, it's a pretty strong message. I don't think you can get past that. That was the most surprising yes. thing I've seen from this team this season. And it, it's a very positive message. Bush is a free agent. I'm not saying he's going to come back. I'm not saying that he won't come back. I could see that going either way. Cost is going to be a, an issue. Um, same with Miles Jack. They, they have questions on every player back seven starting and reserves with the exception of people named Watt or Minka beyond that most of them their contracts are up there's a referendum on every player on that defense okay Mark Robinson 
start against the Ravens. The the power running um, counter. The, the Ravens do so many things in their run game. It, it's an old school classic offense. When they have Lamar, which is what they've built their offense to have, they are devastating on the ground. They can make chunk plays uh, because of how well coordinated and how well coached they are top to bottom. Tyler Huntley, not quite the same story, but to put Robinson that fire. Yes. Nuclear. Yes. It's, it's an incredibly strong message to send a defense that got buried on the ground the last time they played and have a couple times this season. And he they, held for up. People to say, for people to say Tomlin doesn't do anything, the standard is the standard, they change everything. They just sat, should be a premium player by this point, for a seventh round rookie against their rival on the road in a must win game. Yes. The future is bright for Mark Robinson in the eyes of the coaching staff. You can't argue that. Uh, what he'll do with that, I don't know. But I love watching that kid play. That's all I know. I, I He is an athlete. He's a mean sucker. He wants to get his stuff in there and, and wreck somebody. It's great to watch. He is a throwback football player, and he's only going to get better. So for me, I was very excited to see it, to put it mildly. I don't have a whole lot of confidence in Devin Bush. Um, Miles Jack came up in the comments at one point as well. I think Jack has filled the role that they wanted him to fill. I don't think they, they gave him a two-year contract, but they have an easy out in year two if they don't want him. I don't know what they're going to do in the draft, but I know they might finally have found an inside linebacker who can play at an improving level over a, a couple-year period, which they haven't had since Ryan Chazier. So I really like what they're building there. Didn't have the best game, but to be fair, you're playing the Ravens, okay? That that team can run the ball. They have guards that are faster than your linebackers are consistently, and those dudes get on top of you right away. That was their whole game plan, and they had a lot of success with that. They're a tough run running offense. It's hard to compete against them. They get stats, and, and we've seen that. I love the way he competed. I love the way that um, it, it didn't matter to him what the situation was. He was aggressive. He was confident. I love the kid. Absolutely love him. We enjoyed watching him in the preseason. I like what they had. I didn't think he'd get on the field at all this year. I think it's remarkable that they have that level of confidence in him already. And that that's probably one of the five guys to watch uh, for next season for the Steelers, in my opinion. I don't know what they're going to do in the draft. I know that they haven't found what they've wanted in the draft out of that position up until – Mark Robinson. So uh, a, a huge statement to make. And yes, yes, I thank you, Richard, for snapping me back to the point. This is what it, it really tells more than anything else. I got into arguments with Cowboys fans um, who are just loving how great they think their team is uh, right now, as far as how bad the Steelers have drafted that 2022 class looks pretty damn good right now. Okay. Yes, it does. Keep in mind, you only got half the year out of DeMarvin Leal, who I think is going to be a force really like watching him play um he also was thrown into the fire more or less and, and some of that is due to Warmly's injury but it, he's shown flashes of things that make you really happy about the, the direction that he's going in we have spoken plenty about George Pickens and how good he's going to be Kenny Pickett has looked very good uh to get run out of your seventh round pick in in a for a competitive team that by the way Alan Saunders had a great piece on Steelers now uh, regarding the Steelers' defense that hasn't given up a, a, a fourth-quarter touchdown in the last, what, 20 quarters, something like that, or a second-half touchdown. Um, 
they're coming on defensively. They're playing very, very well. Some of that is the, the presence of TJ Watt getting better. Some of it is younger guys have been challenged and they're stepping yeah. up to that. I'm really enjoying what they have building up. Yeah, Connor Hayward, that, that was the name I tripped on. And undrafted, Jalen Warren. Jalen Warren, Jalen Warren went toe for toe, toe to toe with Najee Harris. Najee Harris' best game this season by far and away. And Warren held his own. That's a one-two punch you really need to, to look forward to next year. And let's not forget, the Bears valued Chase Claypool so highly, they're giving up the second pick in the second round for him. When the Steelers have Pickens coming back, who was taken 20 spots later than that last year's second round, and he took Claypool's job. The Steelers have three top, probably going to be, Top 55-ish picks. Three of them in this draft. When's the last time they had that? I don't know. But last year's draft, they, they knocked out of the park for what they needed. It's not necessarily, with the exception of, of Pickens, in my opinion, you got a lot of solid players in there. You got one superstar, potentially, but a lot of future starters. That's really what they needed to do. If they can back that up again, you're looking at a really good football team in a year, maybe two somewhere in there. So very, very excited that to me, that's what I think of when I see Mark Robinson starting late in the season. And yeah, he didn't play a great game. I didn't expect him to play a great game. Linebackers. How about this? Devin Bush has never played a great game against the Ravens. Okay. Right. Right. He's not right, even close to that. Right. And I um, love what, you can move I'm, on from that and save money. Yeah. And I love what G stack said. Cause I think it's appropriate. I think it's apropos here. I think Mark Rob Mark Robinson is a, a more athletic Vince Williams. Definitely plays with the same type of aggressive demeanor. Uh, but I think you're right. I think the points you were made you made were, were really spot on. I mean, when you play your first round pick, that's an inside linebacker against a team that runs like this five of fifty two plays. And you one got, of those you plays, get Bush off the field. They know, run the ball he, too know, much. What does that you know, tell you? He, and one of the plays he got cooked by, uh, you know, he got cooked in coverage. Uh, oh, that's, that was that's Mark Andrews. Yeah, yeah that's Mark <laughs> that's Andrews. That's ne- that that's neither here nor there. But it's a hard route. Uh, you know, it says a lot. And, and typically with football teams, if you look closely enough, the answers to your questions are typically in between the lines. They they always get revealed yep. and they get answered in between the lines. If you look carefully enough. Before we jump into the game, Kenny Pickett had a 92 PFF grade. Is that cap? Is that a lie? Is that is that weird? Like, is that, you know, when you score 16 points, 92 grade, explain how, because I have an idea how that can happen and, and why it happens. Explain briefly how you could be graded so high. And by the way, Tom Brady was the highest graded quarterback of the week and he had a monster game to Mike Evans. I think he was graded out like 92.5. I think Pickett was 92.4, which was the second highest graded quarterback was, of the week I was, by PSF. I was surprised with that, to be honest. Now, I, was, now, I was pretty surprised. I, I was a bit surprised, but if you're looking at play by play, yeah, you could see how if if it's not being results driven in terms of scoring how you could grade out high and not score a ton of points. But what's your thoughts on that grade? Is it cap? Is it a lie? You think that's a, that grade is falsely high? What's the, your the grade, grade on for that Pickett? grade? Yeah, the grade for the Pickett. Grade for, 
Um, I, I like his decision-making in this game. Um, the last drive was stellar. He made some big-time throws uh, within the last drive. Um, did that just happen now, by the way? Washington? Um, I'm not sure. I know Robert put it up there. I wanted to put it up there that the Cowboys released James Washington. He's a big, big James Washington fan. Um, I, you know, I hate getting into to PFF pro or con arguments. Um, grades are ultimately subjective. I tend to believe the area of their grades um, in, in situations like this. I would have projected uh, that grade to be a lot lower. They watch it with a much more fine level of detail than I do. And I'm looking more at the perspective of the whole offense, not the individual player the way that they do. Uh, different perspectives. I'm not saying either one of them are wrong, but you can view each of them differently and, and find different information. Um, I think the last drive, he was spectacular. I think that's about as high level of quarterback play you can have in the NFL. And I think he's done that two weeks in a row, which is crazy. Um, very enjoyable to watch. I thought he had some clunkers in there as well. I thought he missed a couple throws that um, you're hoping that he can get to the point that he can make. Uh, the one that, that you pointed out from uh, QB Film Room, um, I forget that guy's name. Um, another great resource, by the way. JT Sullivan, I think. They ran, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a former pro, I believe. But yeah, they ran a bunch on the right side. Pickett got the ball and looked that way. And he's got to be delivering it at that point. It looked like he got into uh, his drop back a little bit late. Uh, didn't see what he likes, which is fine, but you can't get away with doing what he did every single time. He rolls out to his left, and then he motions Najee to, to run the flag. That's what ended up winning them the game. And Pickett said after the game uh, that the game-winning touchdown was a variation of a play that they had run before but missed, and it was that one, the one that you highlighted, Lance. Um the, the bunch was to the right, but it was Najee uh, running up the sideline. Um, that pass, the, the first one was like impossible. I don't know what Pickett thought he was going to get with that. They really like Najee as a combat catch kind of receiver, and I don't really understand why. Um, that's just me. That's a, that's a damn tough catch for any running back to make, and you're putting it up into traffic in the end zone. I don't know if that's always a good decision. Um Plays like that tend to, to drop you down a little bit uh, in terms of grades. Uh, that That's just me. There were a lot of things to absolutely love about Kenny Pickett. That throw to Sims was as balls as you're going to get. Uh, a big time Yeah, that throw. was an excellent throw. He put some sting on it, uh, delivered it perfectly, right on the screws. That's as good a throw as you're going to make. And Pickett can hit that middle seam throw like it's nobody's business. That's the stuff they need to run more of, in my opinion. Uh, he drilled that in a tight window. It's a great throw. It was a great decision. I love Pickett's confidence when it comes to those kinds of things. That that middle level, he can hit that, and they should know by now that he can. Um, the play on the touchdown pass to Najee was as perfect a throw as you're going to get. Um, I liked the throw that he put up to Deontay a little bit deeper down the field. Real tough catch, real tough play. I'm not mandating that that gets completed every single time. Uh, more often than not, without, with those two in that situation, though, that's going to be a catch. Deontay did a, a great job uh, doing everything he could to, to get that foot down. Sometimes it just doesn't work. Um, a lot to like in, in picking that game. I didn't think, though, he was all that sharp um, overall. I, I, For me, I thought 
put it into context, a 92 grade, it was, you said what? It was the highest in the league for quarterbacks this week. Yeah, it was second highest. Yeah, by a tenth of a point behind Brady. You had a monster game. call, Call it the highest, whatever it is. That's an outstanding game for for that week uh, in the NFL. That's an outstanding grade overall, uh, according to Pro Football Focus. I wouldn't have thought he would have reached that level, but I I was encouraged with a lot of what I saw. More of it, though, was final drive was fantastic. It took him a little bit to kind of get going. They did run a lot, so um, limited opportunities. I don't know. I, I, I Every week there's more and more that I'm finding to enjoy about Pickett's game. And we should be excited uh, that he's getting the accolades that he's getting. You know, I, I I haven't looked into the rookie of the year conversation, but I don't see why Pickett doesn't deserve something of a nod uh, for what he's done to this point. I I don't know if he's yeah, it's just because I don't know stats. the competition at this point. But yeah, it, it's it, he he made a, a he made a very impressive push at the end. We'll just put it that way, and that's a great place for him to be. I I love what he's building into and it, it's it's been very fun to watch you guys definitely should tell i think i'm I, correct me if i'm wrong i think it's football school i'm not i'm you know of course yeah, I'm, something like that but you guys should check it out I, I, i'll find it and post a link in the comments um after the show because they do a fantastic breakdown it's a 30 minute breakdown uh, uh, uh of kenny pickett but going into this game Let's give our thoughts and analysis and predictions on this game. Um, And going into this game against the Cleveland Browns, you know, you have the three-headed monster. And let me just give you some numbers from the first matchup of Cleveland's three-headed monster uh, against the Steelers in the first matchup. Nick Chubb, 23 tugs, 113, average 4.9. As a team, they ran it for 171 yards, 38 times, four and a half yards per carry. And Joku was targeted 10 times, nine receptions, 89 yards. Cooper was targeted 11 times, seven receptions, 101 yards, average 14 yards a catch. Each of those players had one touchdown. That's the three-headed monster that the Steelers have to deal with. Also, overall, when you look at Nick Chubb, he is graded as the number four running back in terms of DVOA, and he's rated overall number two from PFF. That is a head-on clash, a strength versus strength class clash against the Steeler defense that over the last three games is given up an average of 66 yards on the ground, 2.9 yards per carry, currently is ranked number four in terms of DVOA and rush defense and number four in terms of DVOA and red zone rush defense. We've got a battle of strengths, I believe. Um, how do you think this how do you think this shakes out? And do you think we'll see uh, a little bit of Mark Robinson again in this game? Because this looks like if you stop the run, you can have some fun. I have no reason to think if you played Baltimore in week 17 and you made the dramatic move to put Robinson in the starting lineup over Bush absolutely no reason to think you're not going to do that against Cleveland. Um, Not a similar scheme, but a a team that really should run the ball. uh, In my opinion, they're, they're a very good running team. In fact, I'd argue uh, this off season, we're going to have a lot of fun discussions about who has the best one, two running back punch in the AFC North. Cause I think you might have three of the top five in the NFL uh, within that group and Cleveland right now, Cleveland will be number one for me. 
Um, Kareem Hunt, as well as Nick Chubb, are, are two of the best uh, pure skill running backs in the NFL. Um, well, I guess I, I, Hunt probably isn't going to be back, but Chubb is, is a beast. Chubb is the best all-around running back, uh, bar none, in my opinion. Um, he's a load. He really should be tough to stop. I'm going to guess, and I really shouldn't do this because it's the Browns and who knows what they're doing. I'm going to guess their mandate in this game is to not sabotage their quarterback's career the way they did the last time they played Pittsburgh at the end of the season. Um, I would think their best bet would be to want to establish the run a bit more. Um, And with that, that makes it, you know, especially imperative on defense to be gap sound, to continue doing the things that you're doing. And they'll probably have some success because they are a very good running team. They haven't gotten their pass game going really all season, certainly not with Deshaun Watson. Um, who knows what they're going to get out of Watson uh, week in and week out. That's been kind of a struggle. Um, you can see the rust from the press box on him. Uh, doesn't look comfortable. doesn't look uh, nearly as quick or as sharp uh, as he has when he was having a lot more success in the NFL. We'll see. Um, stopping the run, though, is going to paralyze that team. And Mike Tomlin knows that. So if, if Robinson... Uh, was their guy against Baltimore, I would think he'd be their guy against Cleveland as well. That was perhaps a little bit of a variation, that along with a bunch of six-man fronts. Uh, they haven't run those before. John they Harbaugh swears fronts. that they – John, yeah, yeah, exactly. John Harbaugh swears the Steelers have, have done that in the past. No, they did not run bare against anybody. That, that's not what they do. Um, very different. Certainly with a depleted uh, – what I don't know. I guess I would have thought Tomlin would consider it a depleted defensive front. I didn't bother him going into that game. Uh, they, they went deep into their reserves for that. That that Rennell Wren guy played a bunch. Um, not something that you expected to see. So um, I don't know if you need to bear front uh, the Browns. They're, they're much more of a straight uh, power, straight inside zone team. The Ravens run a lot of counters, a lot of misdirection stuff, and they run with their quarterback. I don't think they're going to do that with Watson a whole lot. So to me, this, this game is going to come completely down to the Steelers' defensive front seven and their ability to stop or at least moderately disrupt a a very good Browns running game. If they can do that, I don't have a ton of faith in the Browns ability to get the ball down the field consistently. Uh, Minka Fitzpatrick has been probably better than advertised this season, both against the run and uh, on on deeper stuff down the field. He's hard to avoid. Now, if you have a quarterback that's not in great rhythm and great sync with the receivers and the offense around him, he's going to have a rough day against a safety like that if he tries to challenge him. So, uh, I, I would think Cleveland is really going to want to emphasize the run in this game. I said that last year leading into their game, and for whatever reason, they wanted to hang Baker Mayfield out to dry, and they did. Chubb barely touched the ball last year, and the Steelers ran him out. So I would think um, if they're trying this year, I honestly believe they were trying to, to sabotage Baker more than anything. Uh, if, if the Browns are trying in this game, they're going to want to run the ball. Uh, they're going to want to play you know, big boy bully football. And we'll see if, if the Steelers can hold up to that. It's going to be a real challenge for them. So give me your prediction real quick. Um, I like the Steelers in this. Um, I shouldn't. Yes, I've made excuses should. for the Browns for the last three years. <laughs> and I think even I'm jumping off that bandwagon now. It's a team going into the season um, with Watson and assuming that Watson has a little bit of rust, even with that, they had one of the most complete rosters in the NFL. 
There were a lot of things they did very well. That's excellent, by the way. They have a lot of things that they do. They they have the personnel to do very well. Um, they haven't really done that. I'm kind of surprised. Uh, I feel like they should have been a better team than they were. And I think that throwing Watson into the fold really screwed them up. Uh, they haven't played great football. I think they've gotten, what, a win? Maybe two uh, since Watson's been in there. But he hasn't been a big part of that. They've had to do a lot defensively. Uh, they run the ball well because they're a great running team. Watson hasn't been better than, than you yeah. know, step up from Tyler Huntley and probably overall below Kenny Pickett. So I, I don't know how good uh, they can expect him to be going into the final game of a season. Um, it's got, it, it, it reeks of a Steelers Browns season finale in which the Browns head coach is fired after the game. Um, We'll see how they come out and play. I, I will say this. Uh, I mentioned this in 2013 when the Steelers played the Browns in their their finale without knowing they, they had a shot at the play. They knew they had a shot at the playoffs. They don't know if they were going to get in. It wasn't in their control. They, they had to win that game and get a couple other things to happen. The Steelers played the Browns in that game, and the Browns honestly looked like they were severely hungover. I have never seen an NFL <laughs> team play worse than they did for four quarters. We've seen teams play terribly for a half, and usually they get, you know, motivated to pick it up a little bit. They were awful that entire game to the point I said in the second quarter, it, it's as if Chudzinski is going to get fired or something They're And they know it already. They know that he's out. They're playing terribly. I mean, it was just an awful, awful game. Steelers laid off big time in the second half, just because it's like, if you're not going to try, well, we're not really either. <laughs> so they won like 26 to 11 or something like that. Um, it, the score was was not even close to indicative of how one side of that game was. But it, you could see a situation like that cropping up. Do the Browns want to get rid of Stefanski? Um, they owe Watson uh, a, a good chunk of salary, but they've paid his bonus. So they might have the money to, to get rid of, of Stefanski and go after a different coach that they feel would have more success uh, with the quarterback they have. Because you know, just like Denver, they're, they're locked onto the quarterback. They can't get rid of the quarterback. Not now, anyway. Um, you need to find a coaching staff that is going to make him better. And I, I don't I, – Kevin Stefanski is a very good coach. He's not going to have any problem finding another job if he is fired. And I'm not suggesting that they will. But I I wouldn't be shocked if that happened. Just put it that hey, way. I, hey, so what's your score? What's your score? I'm going to say Steelers, Steelers 23, Browns 16. Wow, it's interesting that your score is 23 yeah, I don't, I don't 16. Like, my score is 24 like 16. My score is 24 16 Steelers. I've been pretty hot with my predictions. And yeah, but you're you're predicting three touchdowns. The Steelers scored three touchdowns in a game this season. <laughs> it could be eight field goals. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> now knowing uh knowing the way that, that. Boswell is kicked show. it. We, t- we talk about it on the show, and Boswell comes out and clanks his first one. That's great. Yeah, you know, it might you might need ten field goal attempts. I'm picking somehow twenty four sixteen. They hit something to Pickens. I-, I think this team is rallying at the right time. They've embraced winning in this fashion because the one thing about Tomlin's teams, they definitely have grit and big up to meet Whip twenty one from Germany. Uh, and I'm going to go ahead and say the Steelers win twenty four sixteen and. Playoffs. Steelers will be the seventh seed. Steelers will be the seventh seed. And let me break it down, you real quick, for you, Felicia. 
Steelers win. The Bills will win because, like Neil Astutely said, they're playing for something. They're playing everybody, and I would not want to be the first team to play the Bills after you know after Hamlin's injury. They are going to beat the living snot out of the next team that they play. Wouldn't they're, want to play the Bills ever. You know, ever anyway. They're <laughs> on a mission this year. They're they're on a mission this year. This might be that thing that they're tough anyway. They're on a mission. They're 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 trying yeah. to go get it this year. And the Jets are going to beat the Dolphins. The Dolphins are done. The Dolphins are done. They don't have a quarterback. They might as well have me or Neil. I could be the second string. Neil could start. They've started so many different dudes this year. Teddy Bridgewater gets hurt just when he steps on the field. They're going to lose. Yeah, it's the second time that's happened. Yes. Yeah, like the 19th time it's happened in his career. Book it. Mark the tape. Steelers are going to the playoffs and will get dump trucked in the first round by whoever it is. It'll look very much like last year. TJ with a strip sack or an interception, oh, whatever he had, and they go up seven to nothing, then they give up 48,000 How about after this? The that. Steelers, the Steelers put the Browns down like 53 donuts. How awesome would that be? The Steelers come out and just absolutely destroy this team. Just take them behind the shed, crush the Browns, everything else happens. It's going to be a fun post-game show. That's yes, what we're hoping it for. will be. Yes, it will be. And make sure you guys join us. Of course, after the post game show. But with that, me and Neil picking the Steelers to finish nine and eight. Wow. And I would actually love if they tied and went eight, eight, and one, like you and Doug were saying, that would just be epic. Uh, but yes, Tomlin again. Imagine the, the Tomlin haters after that. Oh, man. I, I will, I'll tell you this now. I will be driving the knife in all offseason. Oh, yes. Hearing that stat from me often. No, you 17 just have consecutive to... seasons without a losing season. You're, yes. you're going to hear about it. Yes, you just, just have to it's say. it's going to piss you off so much. Oh, yes, it much. will. And, only, and the other thing you can say to piss people off before we get out of here is uh, 17 consecutive eight-win seasons. That's even worse. That's even worse. To pivot. I'm prepared to pivot. Yes, yes. We'll that. <laughs> yes, that's yeah. even That'll be better. The comeback because everything everything I hear from them all the time is, yeah, the three playoff wins in 12 years. Okay, well, I don't know what to tell you. It's if, if you judge a coach solely on that, you'd be surprised how many of them you feel need to be fired tomorrow. And I'm not sure how you replace that many coaches all the time, but I don't think it's a successful well, strategy either. We, we can ask Cleveland, and we'll see how that works as they replace coach after coach. Yeah. After yeah. coaching, and wouldn't it be ironic if uh, Steelers beat Cleveland, Stefanski is fired, and Stefanski becomes the Steeler offensive coordinator? Wouldn't that hey. be funny? Hey. Uh, Stefanski <laughs> knows what he's doing. He's a sharp yeah. dude. They they run the football well, and and Mike Canada, Maple Mike, definitely wants to run the football. But with that, we are going to conclude <laughs> the show. Maple yes, Mike. you can use it if you hear it, Maple Mike. Mike Canada, the offensive coordinator for the Pittsburgh Steelers. But with that, we're going to get out of here. And as always, tune in, tell a friend, and subscribe. Go Steelers.